are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Today I'd like to speak on a very simple and familiar topic to Christians, and it's a familiar topic to non-Christians alike but maybe something that's not always understood. We have a phrase that we use often in the American culture. We say this phrase in a variety of ways. We say things like, I'm telling you the gospel truth. Anybody ever said that to somebody you cared about? I tell you the gospel truth. Or we, when we're growing up, we take what our parents and teachers and authorities tell us as the gospel. When we say these phrases and we insert the words the gospel into it, we are saying we believe that something is absolutely true without any hesitation or reservation. And I suppose that there is nothing wrong with the phrase the gospel being used as an alternative for this idea of truth. But I want to uncover the meaning further and understand what it really means for us today. And I want to speak to you this morning on the topic, the gospel. First, we should consider that the word meaning the gospel is referenced over a hundred times in the New Testament. And it simply means good news. But specifically, it is referring to good news about the man Jesus Christ. We are introduced to this idea of the gospel about Jesus Christ from his very birth. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Are y'all picturing the, the Christmas cantatas? You, you see it, right? Because that's the scripture that we read. And it says, and the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. It could be translated, I will bring you the gospel of great joy, which will be to all people. It's the same word that is used for the gospel. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so we're introduced to this word, the gospel. Paul told the church in Corinth that there were there was something very specific that they should understand about Jesus that made it the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, and you're going to have to, to use your Bible or follow along with me. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and which and in which you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preach to you unless you believe in vain. And now he's going to explain what the gospel is. He says, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. What was that that he received? That Christ died 
for our sins according to the scripture. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So he says the gospel is made up of of really three elements. The first aspect of the good news is that Jesus was born, he lived, and he was a real man on the earth, but he died. And so the first aspect of the gospel is that he died, but we understand that in order for him to die, he had to be born and to live on this earth. So we are introduced this to idea we are introduced to the idea of the gospel in that it is the the good news that he died for us he paid the price for our sins he said that he was making a payment for our sins he laid down uh, the payment for our debt for our perversion for our sin he said i'm going to pay the debt that you owe When he was on the cross and he said, it is finished, he was basically saying that this debt was paid in full. And so the first aspect of the gospel is that he died. Paul continues and says that he not only died, but he was buried. He was put into the ground. He was taken down from the rugged tree, the rugged cross, and he was laid in a tomb. And then he said, not only was he buried, but that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. That this final aspect of the good news is that Jesus rose again from the grave. I hear the song saying he got up. He didn't just stay in the ground. He didn't stay on the tree. He didn't stay in the ground, but he got up. He rose from the dead. And that is really what makes the good news good news. Had he stayed on the cross, had he stayed buried, it probably wouldn't be that great of news. But the reason we can say it's good news is because he died, he was buried, and he rose again. That is the gospel. Didn't stay down. Death didn't win. The grave didn't win. That's why he would tell John in Revelation, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forever evermore. Amen. And he said, I have the keys of death and hell. That I've conquered death and I've conquered hell. Death didn't win. Hell didn't win. But he got up. So why does this matter? Paul said, 1 Corinthians 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand. By which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preach to you unless you believe in vain. There is a difference between hearing the gospel and receiving the gospel. Paul said, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, meaning you heard the gospel, but he said, which also you received and which also you Stand by which also you are saved. First Timothy chapter 2, 13 says, Paul said this, 
For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. There is a difference between just hearing the gospel and receiving the gospel and making application of it to your life. Peter would say it like this. The apostle Peter said, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? That there is more to the gospel than just hearing the Christmas story, hearing the Easter story, and having some kind of just simple moment. But there is an, a receiving aspect to the gospel that we are reaching for what the gospel has for us. And so we obey the gospel. So how do we receive the gospel? The first element, we partake in the death of Jesus Christ. How? Some of you know where I'm going, but how do we receive this? We receive it first by repenting of our sins. Just as he died, we too die to our old man. We acknowledge that we are a sinner. We acknowledge that we need God in our life. We decide that we must walk with him. If you have not repented of your sins, if you have not acknowledged the fact that you are a sinner, the first step in receiving the gospel is to acknowledge that you are a sinner and repent of your sins. Paul said it like this in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. He said that that's how that I am to uh, be partakers of the gospel. I repent. I turn from my sin and I acknowledge that I can't make it without him. Don't get bored about this part of scripture. Don't get bored with the idea of repentance. It's one of the most important steps you will ever make with God is when you acknowledge that you need him, that you acknowledge that you must have him in your life. Paul would say, I die daily. Every day I wake up, I have to tell my flesh, I have to tell my carnal nature, I have to tell my sinful self, you aren't in charge today, but I serve a God who's in charge. And so I crucify my life. I, I am crucified with Christ. I die daily. I lay that old man down. And so I receive, I receive the gospel. But just as we, he died, then he was buried, we too must be buried. Paul clearly says how this applies in our life. In Romans chapter 6 verse 4, he said, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That just as he was buried, we too go down in the watery grave. Our sins are washed away. We have a life that is now buried through baptism. And it's the way in which we receive 
the gospel. We hear the gospel, but we receive. We're partakers. We obey the gospel by being baptized in the only saving name, which is Jesus Christ. And then we receive the Spirit just as he was resurrected, just as he was brought out of the tomb. We, too, are called to walk in newness of life. Romans, we read 6 verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Peter summarized this succinctly when he said, Repent. He said, Repent. When they asked, what should we do to be saved in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he said, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's that simple. That is the gospel. It's his death his burial, and his resurrection. It's repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's the gospel. And so when we receive this gospel, this gospel message, we then begin to walk in newness of life. Paul would say it like this, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if I come to walk in newness of life, what did he say? Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And because we are partakers, because we have received the gospel, we now walk differently. We're alive in Christ. So Paul's understanding and application is significant of this gospel. He's talking about the good news about Jesus Christ. And then he admonishes the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 116, he says, For I... Am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. In a sophisticated city like Rome, some might have been embarrassed by the gospel that was centered around a crucified savior who had been who was now being embraced by the lowest classes of society and there was this kind of stigma with what they were buying into but Paul said I am not ashamed of the gospel I'm not ashamed to be connected to the Christ that died and was buried and rose again I am not ashamed of the gospel I'm not ashamed of what it looks like. I'm not ashamed of what it asks of me. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. See, we sometimes want something a little more dignified. We prefer something that is only maybe attainable by an elite status or an elite mode of thinking. No, the gospel is raw. It's death, burial, and resurrection. And I want us today, I want to encourage you today not to be ashamed of the gospel. 
We're supposed to be ashamed of some things. See, Paul mentions being ashamed in later on in Romans. In Romans chapter 621, he says, What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. See, I think we get it backwards sometimes. That sometimes we're more ashamed of the gospel than, we're more, than we are of sin. We'll rather talk about sin in the workplace. We'll talk about things that are ungodly in the workplace or around our friends rather than talking about the gospel. But we should be ashamed of the works of sin. We should be ashamed of what sin produces. We shouldn't partake in it. We shouldn't talk about it. But we should talk about the gospel. We should talk about the, the peace and the love that comes from his death, burial, and resurrection. So how is the gospel making application in your life? How are you receiving the gospel? See, Jesus said this in Mark chapter 8, 38. He said, for whoever is ashamed of me in my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. It's really talking about, I believe, repentance, that there's this idea that, that we aren't, we are, we're kind of ashamed uh, to, to be labeled a certain way because we don't want people to view us in, in some kind of uh, uh, maybe radical light. And Jesus said, those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous, adulterous generation and sinful generation of him, the son of man, will be ashamed. It's a challenging passage. But Paul was not just preaching about, I am not ashamed of the gospel. He was preaching, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He was preaching about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ because there is no really other gospel that matters. There are other gospels. There are other gospels you can believe. There are other ways that you can view salvation. Paul acknowledges this in Galatians. He said, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But if, even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. He literally repeats the same thing two, two verses in a row. Why? Because he wanted to emphatically tell them that there is no other way. There is no other way to salvation. It is his death his burial, and his resurrection. 
any other substitute, any other hybrid of, of salvation is not the gospel. But if you're going to believe the gospel, you've got to believe in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And so there are other gospels. There are other gospels that our culture tries to uh, uh, promote to us, tries to get us to buy into. There are other ways of thinking, other ways of salvation that the Bible tries to, or that our culture tries to get us to buy into. But I, I want to preach to you today that there is no other gospel but the death, burial, and resurrection. Why be so arduous? About the gospel. Why be so emphatic about the gospel? Because Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. The good news is news, but it's more than information. It is the power of God unto salvation. We need God's power. In this age that we live in, we need God's power. Our sin demands God's power. And so if you are doing anything, if you've reached for anything but the gospel, your reaching is in vain. I, I love the song that says this, would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you over evil of victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. How do we find salvation? How do we experience the power of his blood? How do we experience the power of his mercy and grace in our life? It's through the gospel. It's through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. The writer would say, would you be free from your passion and pride? How do you find freedom from your passion and pride? I can guarantee you because I know my own life, there's some passion and pride up in here. Yeah. We don't have to clarify it any farther. It's a good general category. There's passion and there's pride that's in here. And the only way you overcome it is by the death, burial, and resurrection. There's no other way. You die to your sin. You're buried in his name. You wear his name in baptism. And his spirit empowers you to live an overcoming life. It's the gospel. It's the gospel that saves. It is the power of God unto salvation. It's the power of God unto salvation. How are you going to survive in this generation? It's the power of God. How are you going to walk in this generation that is adulterous and sinful and out of control? It's through the power of God which comes through the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. And what I like what he adds, it's the power of God unto salvation 
for everyone who believes. There's no no secret passage. There's no uh, secret code to get in. If you'll just believe in him, if you'll follow after him, if you'll reach for him, if you're Jew, if you're a Greek, if you're rich or you're poor, if you're single, you're married, you're a widow, you're fatherless, everyone has access to the gospel. Everyone can receive the gospel. Everyone can find his mercy. Everyone can find his grace. Everyone can find his forgiveness. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the gospel that saves. It's the gospel that saves. If you're broken in this place, if you're oppressed in this place, if you're addicted in this place, can I tell you the gospel works? The gospel works. The gospel works. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. So he says, he says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also to the Greek. But then he says this, for in it, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For in it. Everyone say, for in it. For what? For in the gospel. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is unveiled. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is given. It's given to you. See, righteousness of God does not merely mean that God is right and man is wrong. It does not just mean that he's going to make a sinner into a good person. The righteousness of God speaks to the idea that God is going to treat the sinner as if he had not been a sinner at all. That is the righteousness of God. He's going to treat the sinner as if he was not even a sinner at all. See, quoting from the prophet Jeremiah, the writer of Hebrews reminds us that God says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Ever had someone do something nice for you? You did something wrong. You asked for forgiveness. They forgave you, but they held it over your head. They said they forgave you, but they make sure that every time they're with you, they know that you know you were wrong. Many times relationships are built on this type of experience because it's the human experience. It's the way humans love. I will forgive you, but I remember what you did. Now it's getting a little dicey in here. Because that's how we love. And I've, I've heard it enough 
I'll forgive them, but I don't forget. That's between you and God. I'm going to let you and God work that out. But thank God, thank God that he ain't us. You better thank God every day. You better thank God every day that he don't treat you the way you treat everybody else and I treat everybody else. Because when he says, I forgive you, it's over. It's like you never did it. Some of you need to hear that. Because you keep beating yourself up over things you've done in your past. You ask God to forgive you and out an altar, and you keep living like God's holding it over your head. God ain't holding it over your head. If he forgave you, he forgave you. If he forgave you, he forgot about it. He said, I don't remember it. I'm not going to remember it. I'll forget it. See, Christ's love, he forgives and forgets. We are not going to get to heaven. And God is going to hold over our head the wrong we did. Mercy is just that. It's mercy. As if I never did it. I will not treat you, he says, as if you wronged me. I will not make you pay penance. I will not make you try and make it right. The gospel says that you will receive his righteousness. You will receive his rightness. So when you stand before God, you're not standing in your righteousness. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. You can't stand in front of God with your righteousness. The only hope you have is to allow the righteousness of God to be on you. Where do you get that righteousness? It is in the gospel. It's through his death, his burial and his resurrection he said I'm going to give you my goodness I'm going to give you my mercy I'm going to give you a robe of righteousness you didn't deserve so that when you stand in front of me I'm not holding over your head everything you did in your past but if you wear my robe of righteousness when you stand before me it's going to be as if you never were a sinner oh hallelujah that's why Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, do you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Can I help you today? All of us are on that list. I'll say it again. Don't pick out your favorite sins or the things you don't struggle with to point out somebody else's flaws. We're all sinners. We're all in that list. All of us are unrighteous. But he says, and such were some of you. And such were some of you. But now you're washed. Now you're sanctified. Now you're justified. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. He says you're washed. Your sins are washed. But I'm not going to leave you in the grave. I'm going to pull you out. I'm going to separate you. I'm going to sanctify you. But he says I'm not done. I'm going to justify you. I'm going to give you righteousness you didn't deserve. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 
Justify. Justify literally means it's as if you never did it. And how does he say that happens? In the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of our God. In the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of our God. It's found in the death, the burial, and the resurrection. We die out to our sin. We take on his name in baptism. We're buried with him in the name of Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of our God is how we find a resurrected life. It's in the gospel. It's in the gospel. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Our righteousness is nothing. Isaiah chapter 64 says all our righteousness is like filthy rags. The only way that we are saved from the wrath of God is through the righteousness of God covering us. The only way we're saved is through the righteousness of God covering us us. Psalm David said this in his psalm, oh Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Oh, hallelujah. He petitions God, God, deliver me. But I can't deliver myself. I can't do anything about it. But I need your righteousness. See, Isaiah prophesied about God's willingness to cover us in his righteousness. He said, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the earth brings forth its bud... And as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. See, it's that seed in the ground. It's his death, burial, and resurrection. A seed has to die. Seed has to die in the ground, but when it comes up, comes up something completely different. And he said, when my righteousness comes, you're going to be something you never thought was possible. Oh, hallelujah. You see, Jesus took our place. God's law demanded death for sin. So Jesus came as a sinless man, a spotless lamb, and became our substitute. He became, as the Bible uses this term, propitiation. It's really the mediator the sacrifice, the payment, the go-between. Second Corinthians, Paul said, for he made him who knew no sin, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I don't deserve his righteousness. Why you can't do enough to earn salvation. You have to receive the gospel. You obey it. You obey every element because he wants you to be righteous. 
We're made new. We're made alive. We're made clean. We're made whole. Have you heard the gospel? You know, you understand what it is. If you do, have you received the gospel? Have you experienced repentance? Have you bowed on your knee to a God who wants to forgive you and received the death? Have you received the burial? Have you obeyed the burial? Have you been water baptized in the name of Jesus as the scripture clearly demonstrates over and over Have you received his spirit, that resurrection power? As the Bible shows us in Acts that they received it with evidence of speaking in another language. That frightens some people, and it should. The idea that you're speaking a language you've never learned and don't know. But his idea with that was not to just frighten us and for us to walk around as kind of freaks of nature. It's because he wants to demonstrate ultimate authority and power in your life. Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Have you received his power in your life? Have you relinquished the most, as the Bible says in James, the most unruly member of your body, which is your tongue, which is your speech? Have you relinquished that to an almighty God and received his spirit? The gospel, it changes lives. It is the power of God unto salvation. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed. And I conclude, many of you have experienced what I'm talking about today. You've experienced repentance. You've experienced water baptism. You've experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit. My challenge to you is, are we ashamed of the gospel? Who are you telling The Isaiah chapter 40 verse 7 says, and the quizzers are learning this verse, the grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Then it says, O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem. You who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Reminded of that song, go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain. Our Jesus Christ is born. When I was a seeker, I sought both night and day. I asked the Lord to help me, and he showed me the way. Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Why? Because he made me a watchman upon a city wall. And if I am a Christian, I am the least of all. Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Because the gospel makes a difference in our life. The gospel makes a difference in the lives of those around us. Before 
I invite you to come. I want our pastoral team to just come to the front here. And as they're coming, I want us to pray together. I'm believing the Lord is gonna touch somebody's heart as you respond to the gospel. That you say, God, I need the gospel in my life. Maybe there's something going on in your world that you need the gospel. You need his righteousness to cover. God, I pray right now for everyone under the sound of my voice. God, who's here today, God, we are recipients of your gospel. We're recipients of your death, your burial, and your resurrection. God, I thank you for the work on the cross. I thank you for being born. I thank you, God, for living a life on the earth. I thank you for dying. I thank you for being buried. God, and I thank you for rising again. God, I thank you for imparting unto us forgiveness. I thank you for showing us kindness, for showing us righteousness. God, we have done nothing to deserve the work that you did on the cross. We've done nothing to deserve, God, the things that you've done for us. God, a sinless man who died so that we could be found. God, we didn't deserve that. God, and I'm praying today that someone would realize the incredible love in which you love them. God, they would surrender to the gospel. They would receive the gospel today. Maybe there's someone here today, God, who needs to repent of their sins. God, maybe they need to just fall on their face today and say, God, I need you in my life. God, I'm sorry for my sins. I pray today someone would have courage today to receive it. I pray for those who maybe need to be water baptized, those who have yet to experience the wonder of baptism in your name. I pray that you would bless them today. God, give them courage to take a step of faith to acknowledge, God, your work in baptism. God, I pray for those who are hungry to receive your spirit. I pray you would baptize them, oh God. Baptize with your spirit today. Let your power invade this room today. Let your power invade this room today. Oh God, we need you in this place. I wonder if you would step out of your pew. Maybe you've been repented, been baptized, received his spirit, but you want to respond to the gospel today. I want you to step out of your pew. God's going to do a mighty work in this place. If you need healing today, step forward. If you need deliverance today, step forward. God's going to impart his righteousness. God's going to impart his righteousness to somebody today. Oh, hallelujah. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.